Hey everybody, this is So Heidi, and you're listening to the Successful Fashion Designer Podcast. We all know that the fashion industry is brutally competitive and it takes loads of hard work to get ahead. The problem is that everyone's secretive and tight-lipped about their ways. After working as a designer and educator for over a decade, I wanted to help break down those barriers and bring you valuable knowledge from industry experts, and this show is exactly where you'll find that. Whether you're trying to break into the fashion world, make yourself more marketable, launch your own label, or become a successful freelancer, we'll help you get ahead in the cutthroat fashion industry. Welcome to another episode of the Successful Fashion Designer Podcast, and I am so excited to share this amazing interview with you today. In this interview, I am chatting with Shelby Collins. Now, this story is arguably a little different than some of the stories we've had on the podcast before. Shelby is a merchandiser and works in product development, and she kind of knew from the beginning that design maybe wasn't the exact right path for her. So she did a lot of self-exploration throughout school, and she found the right path for her sort of through trial and error. Now, besides Shelly taking a, air quote, non-traditional path in the fashion design world and going into something other than design, I want you guys to pay really close attention to the exact things that Shelby did to progress her career. She has worked her way up in a huge way. She spent a lot of time working at the North Face in California, and now she works for VF Corporation. And Shelby's career trajectory did not come by accident. She started out in some pretty crummy administrative roles that she hated, but she worked her butt off. She got noticed. She built friendships and relationships, and that is exactly how she grew her career. We talk about this in great detail. We talk about you know, how she was very mindful and strategic to create some of these relationships within the workplace and how she was always very intentional about showing that she was willing to put in the work and go the extra mile to be the one that stood out, even if it was a project that wasn't that exciting. Again, she goes through so many examples of this, and it's a really great inspiration as to how you do. Often you start at the very bottom, and it is absolutely possible to work your way up, but you have to work your butt off. And it's exactly what Shelby did, and it's exactly how she experienced such amazing growth in her career. So pay close attention to everything um, that she's done and her advice because I know it can help so many of you go so far in your careers as well. I know you guys are going to enjoy this episode and thank you so much for listening. A quick heads up before we get to the interview. I wanted to give you guys a little pro tip that Successful Fashion Designer is way more than just a podcast. I didn't even realize that you guys didn't realize this because to me it's so clear, but I had people starting to tell me, wow, I just discovered all your other stuff and I had no idea I've been listening to the show forever. So here's a quick public service announcement. Sorry I didn't tell you guys this sooner, but I literally have hundreds of free tutorials, templates, and books on things like Adobe Illustrator, creating tech packs freelancing in the fashion industry, landing your dream job, how to put your portfolio together, all the things that most of us really struggle with. Uh, And 90% of my material out there is absolutely free. These are some phenomenal resources that I have been working on for years. Honestly, all of this content and my tutorials and templates existed way before the podcast. I do still create new stuff all the time. So here's what I want to do. I want to get this to you um, because it is really valuable and I know it can help you get ahead in your career. So I put together my best free content just for you as a podcast listener, and I would love to give it to you right now. So here's what you can do. Take 30 seconds, hit pause in this episode right now, and head on over to SoHeidi.com slash email for instant access to my free stuff. Again, it's SoHeidi, S-E-W-H-E-I-D-I.com slash email, and I will send you all my free stuff. If you want to just check out the website in general, you can get there through SoHeidi.com, which is a little easier and shorter to type, or SuccessfulFashionDesigner.com will also drop you right amongst all my free content and amazing resources. All right, public service announcement over. As always, you guys, you can access the show notes and check out any of the resources mentioned in this episode by scrolling down wherever you're listening. And now let's jump into the interview with Shelby Collins. Well, welcome, Shelby, to the Successful Fashion Designer Podcast. I would love to have you give a quick introduction of who you are and what you actually do in the fashion industry. Sure. Uh, Thanks, Heidi, so much for having me. Uh, So my name is Shelby Collins. Um, 
I am originally from Colorado. Uh, I currently live in California um, and moved out here about five years ago. Um, I went to school at Colorado State University, uh, which is in Fort Collins, Colorado, uh, and I studied apparel merchandising. So that was really the, the start for me um, is um, my studies at school. Um, and then after graduating, I worked my way into the outdoor industry um, and worked at a, a few small brands um, under, you know, a, a big umbrella. Um, and then eventually uh, moved out here to California where I worked at the North Face for quite a while. Um, and then more recently uh, moved into the parent company, uh, VF Corporation. So I am more on the uh, product and merchandising side of the business, uh, not so much on the design and development side of the business. Okay, great. So for, for people out there listening who may not really quite understand what that actually means, can you give us an overview? Sure. That's a really good question uh, because, you know, we were talking about this a little earlier. I think sometimes there's an assumption um, around the apparel or footwear uh, industry that everyone's a designer and playing with colors and <laughs> fabrics and all of that kind of stuff all day, which sometimes I get to do that and that's really cool. But there's a whole other side of the business. I mean, after all, uh, you know, brands exist to make money. Um and so there's a whole slew of people, um, including myself, that are part of the uh, planning process of uh, the line, whether, you know, there's, there's definitely different levels and different groups, but um, it's more along the lines of, of, of planning uh, what will be out there from a business perspective. So uh, it's a, a bit of a balance between trends and creative and then what is hitting in the market and what your sales are doing so it's really it's kind of a liaison position actually it's a, a good balance between marketing sales uh and uh our D, D research design and development okay awesome and i want to like dig really deep into what does that actually look like on a day-to-day -day? like what do you what kind of tasks you actually do but before we get to that can we rewind a little bit to sort of the beginning of your career so you went to school for merchandising is that like how'd you fall into that how'd you even know that that was an option way back then yeah, that's a good question. So, okay, so maybe I should back up a little. Okay. So, <laughs> so I actually grew up in a really small town in Colorado, um, and I grew up on a farm. Uh, and when I got to high school, I think one of the things, you know, I mean, it was a fairly conservative town. Um, one of the things that I found really interesting, I loved looking at magazines and just seeing how crazy things were um, <laughs> and how different they were than my my real world. Um, and it was super intriguing. And I think that started to kick off the thought of, I really enjoyed expressing myself through apparel. Um, not that I had good style by any means. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> but I just loved the way that it made you feel, right? Like, you could change you could change your mood and uh, the way that you kind of feel about yourself or represent yourself through the way that you dress. Um, and I was really into uh, snowboarding and being outside. Um, and I remember seeing this... 2007 Burton catalog and I don't know why but it felt so disruptive there were like these women athletes in these badass like uniforms and they were like some of them were white and they were sitting in mud and it was just so disruptive and I'm like this is awesome whoever made the decisions to do this like I need to be that person um and <laughs> so I think that was what really helped kick it off in my mind. Like I wanted, I wanted to be a part of that expression and be involved in the decision-making process. Okay. Wow. You remember specifically that catalog. It was like a trigger in time. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's really cool. So, so at that point, and where are you at in 2007? Are you still in high school or? 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. So then did you just start like looking into like, what is this job actually, what is this job and how do you study and ultimately get into this type of space? Well, that would have been really smart. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That would have have been really smart to do that. Um, I, I don't know, you know, it's really interesting. And I kind of look back and how I've made decisions throughout my career. Um, And I won't say that I've been the best at like sitting down and researching like, okay, I want to be this, what's this? Um, You know, I, I don't, I don't know. I just, I like have this persistent thought in my mind of like, I don't know exactly what that is. Um, and I kind of try hard not to define it, right? Because what if it's something that exists or that doesn't exist that, like, I can make exist? Mm. <laughs> um, and so I'm just kind of like, okay, I'm going to try this. Like, this feels this feels right. Like, I love this thing. I'm going to, like, dig into this and learn what I can about it. And then once I know enough information from having this like hands-on experience, then I can navigate and figure out which way I want to go. And then as I get more into that, maybe it will open up my world into like this whole other area. Um, and then maybe I'll want to explore that a little bit. So I think that's kind of how I've navigated through it. It's less on the research uh, front, which might've been important, but it's tended to work out so far. (laughs) Yeah, it really has. And so then so did you just try to get your hands dirty and then and that's how you landed in the merchandising degree at CSU? Well, I I did move around a little bit. Um, so I started in the design program um, because I'm like, okay, well, you know, maybe designers are the ones that make decisions. So yeah, okay. um, I kind of started, I started that way um, and it felt like that wasn't, quite right for me. I did really well, actually, um, and made it into the program. There's like a, I think the first year, or at least the way it was structured then, the first year is kind of a trial period Mm -hmm. until you get in. Um, And I decided I didn't want to go that route, um, that it felt, uh, I don't know if this is the right word, but it felt not not quite grounded for me, like being solely in the creative space was not something I fully enjoyed. Like I really like math. Um, and I wanted more of a balance of that. And that's when the merchandising part of it felt like maybe I can get a better balance. Um, and so that's kind of how I steered into that specific major or study. So you did, you, I mean, you kind of jumped in and like, I'm just going to get my hands wet by like going to fashion school and starting out with maybe the obvious, which is design, which is a, what a lot of people, that's what we just think of initially off the bat and then kind of navigated your way into a space that felt really good. Um, yeah. Which clearly it sounds like that was a really good fit for you and you finished the program with that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so then um, talk a little bit about sort of breaking into the field, you know, right out of college. What did that look like for you? And how were you able to sort of get your foot in the door at your first opportunity? Oh, yeah, that's the worst. Um, (laughs) It kind of is, right? (laughs) It is. It's terrible. So the way that it worked, which uh, this part is really great. It's not like they just sent me off and said, good luck with that. Um, so the, the last semester of school, um, in my program at CSU, uh, it was basically an internship. It was like a 12 credit internship. Mm Um, and, and obviously they provided some level of resources to, uh, help you land that, but it, it was mostly you driving it and getting that. Um, and so that was, I, I don't even remember, I don't even remember how I ended up landing it. I think I was like searching, like Google searching or like Craigslist searching or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, and I found a couple of options. And, and one of the options that I found was uh, American Recreation Products, um, which um, is a, a parent company, or I think they're called Excel Outdoor now. 
um, but a parent company that owns several different brands. So they're smaller outdoor brands. A couple examples, CR Designs, uh, Kelty, mm-hmm. um, Ultimate Direction, uh, which is a, like a hydration uh, pack uh, for runners. Um, so they own a couple of companies. So that was one that I had found um, and you just apply, like I was applying for everything. I probably applied for, I don't know, like 50 internships or something. And I had like two people call me back, which made me feel awful, but that's kind of how it goes. Um, (laughs) You got to just put it out there. And I think that's, that's the most important part. Like sometimes it's scary to throw all your, like throw yourself out there like that. Um, but there's no worst case scenario in that. Like the worst case scenario is they say no, or they say nothing, but like you're in the same place as you were. Right. Yeah. (laughs) So I think that I learned in that, that you got to just throw out your line to a lot of different options and then, and then be open to those, right. Like, um, have a little bit of flexibility in, in what those options could come back and look like. Um, so that's, that's kind of how I did it. Um, of course, then there's the whole interview process, um, to prepare myself for that. I, uh, I, there were some contacts that I had that I set up informational interviews with. Sometimes they were like people that I knew or like my dad or something. And then I'm like, Hey, ask me these questions so I can practice. And then we'd be like, uh, wrong like wrong that was a bad answer don't answer like that (laughs) wait so okay so hold on so you you these con these air quotes contacts that you had like I was thinking you like had people inside the brand that you knew but you're just maybe talking about doing some mock interviews with random people like your dad (laughs) yeah totally (laughs) okay okay I was like oh you got some insider contacts this is sweet most people don't have that (laughs) no I didn't know anybody okay Um, and that part is that part is the hardest. That's why I said that's why I said like the out of college experience is the worst because yeah. your your contact base is I mean zero. if you're you were like me it was zero. Um, so you just apply to everything you can and then you practice so that if you get the opportunity you can crush it. Yeah, I love how proactive you were to actually do that though because in like hindsight it's like oh that's a really good idea but the amount of people that actually do it I think is quite small. Um where did you get that inspiration or did you just that's just something you thought to do? I I don't know. I think I just okay. I was so terrified like there was <laughs> there was an option <laughs> that that's always a good motivator. Yeah, fear. fear. <laughs> um there, there's always an option or there was in that program that if you didn't get an internship, you'd have to like take this really hard class. And I just felt like, oh my God, I cannot fail. Like I cannot fail to get this internship right now. Like I have to get this. Like I can't be like the one person in this class that didn't get an internship. And then I'm like sitting here having to do this like lame, hard class. (laughs) So I don't know. I think maybe that was part of the the motivation, but um, okay. So I want to hear like <laughs> you when you were talking about the interview with your dad. You're like, oh, that was the wrong answer. Eh. Like he had a buzzer or something almost. <laughs> like, can you just talk a little bit about like how were you even approaching it in terms of well, what questions are they going to ask? I mean, I don't know if your dad has any experience in our industry or you just went with general sort of interview questions. Yeah, I just was Googling interview questions and then like printing them out or like sometimes I'd like print them out um, and then I'd like write down responses Mm -hmm. um, because I tend to like when I write things down, I can remember them well. Mm -hmm. So I'd like I just Google like interview questions or hard interview questions and then I just go down the list and then I'd pick the ones that are like the most uncomfortable and then you know I'd sit there and like bite my nails and then like (laughs) talk to myself in my room and try to figure out what would be the right answer for that or the answer that feels authentic to me I guess um so yeah I don't know there's just a lot of googling okay and then (laughs) yeah, My dad is definitely not in that industry. Okay. Um, <laughs> so you had no – it was just your dad and he was just doing it because you're his daughter and that's what you do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, so then how did you do on the interview? Um, 
Well, I probably blacked out. Like I never, I don't remember that because I probably got so nervous, but I did well and I landed the internship um, and it was actually in the marketing department. Um, It wasn't actually on like the product creation team of one of the brands. It was in the marketing department, but I'm like, well, I'll take it. (laughs) Yeah, because you mentioned earlier sort of being open to your options. So talk a little bit about that because I think it's easy to maybe feel like, Oh, well, this is, I mean, this isn't marketing. I don't want to go into marketing. I mean, I guess it's sort of half of what you were interested in, but I think it can feel easy to think, well, this is not what I actually want to do. Instead of looking at it as, well, at least it's an opportunity to get my foot in the door. Yeah, that is, that's like the key thing. I'm like, I just have to get my foot in the door and I have to like figure out what this is. I think it's a similar approach to what I was talking about with school and figuring out Mm. what maybe what to major in Mm -hmm. it's like okay this is generally the area and so this is what's working out for me right now and so I'm gonna dig into this and like give this my best shot like put my head head down and just like crush through this and figure out what this world is really like um and then decide okay do I like this aspect do I like nothing about this Mm -hmm. um do I learn about the process and then I am able to identify a key portion of the process that then I want to dig into right just through like hearing people talk about it sure or understanding how that specific group works into the big picture okay um so I don't know just that's I, I guess that's just kind of my approach with it has been with all of the decisions that I've made. Yeah. No, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, you just get in there and you expose yourself to something and then you kind of learn what you like and you don't and you sort of navigate forward from there. Yeah. Um, okay. So that what was that like, the last semester of your senior year in college? Yeah. So that was the last semester. Um, I did that internship. And then uh, when that was done and I graduated, I was doing something similar, applying for everything. I got nothing back. Um, and so I ended up getting a saving grace and getting a job or getting hired on at the company, but it was in a less than ideal department. Like Mm -hmm. I was not happy about it, but I was going to take it because I needed to stay there and figure out how I could get to the place I wanted to be in. Will you tell us what that was or? <laughs> yeah, it was, cu- it was customer service. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. So just like very admin and just doing the job. Yeah. Um, it was customer service for uh, Kelty and Sierra Design. So a lot of the conversations I had was around technical backpacks and tents and a little bit of apparel, but like, I don't know anything. Like I didn't, just cause I like <laughs> took a textiles class. Like I didn't know anything about that. Like, I don't know what that buckle does or why it would break or what like a load lifter is. <laughs> Wait, so if like people were calling like the 1-800 number off the site to ask about a specific buckle on a specific tent, you are the yeah. one answering the phone. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Thank okay. you for calling American Rec. This is Shelby. How can I help you? <laughs> hey, Shelby. I'm looking at this thing on your website. <laughs> You've got that line down, girl. You did I know. that a lot of times. Some things never fall out of your brain, just like a Backstreet Boy song, you know? Oh, boy. Please don't drop a one-liner. Oh, you're going <laughs> to scar me for the rest of the week. Um, okay, so ha- okay, so but you had the attitude of like, this is what I'm going to do, and um, it's one step. It's at least in a company that does apparel. Yeah. Okay. And so how long were you in that role? And wait, where are we in the timeline? When did you graduate college? Um, so I graduated in 2011. Okay. Yeah. So uh, then after I graduated, um, I was in customer service for not quite a year, but okay. almost a year. Okay. And what happened after that? Yeah. So after that, the company um, uh, bought a new brand. Um, So 
they no longer exist, uh, but they were called Isis for Women. Mm-hmm. They were um, like a, a small women's brand. Um, they mostly produced sportswear. Um, it was like an outdoor active type of brand, and they did some outerwear. So the company bought that brand and, and brought them in-house. They had been headquartered in Vermont before. Um And then with that came some new positions. So everyone knew that I was really interested in learning more and kind of getting my hands dirty. And like, I was always up to like do the dirty work, I guess, um, or the work that no one wanted to do. And so when those positions opened up at that new brand, um, then, you know, a lot of people vouched for me and eventually I was able to work my way into a more desirable role within that brand. Like what over that year in customer service, and obviously you had a little background as well during your internship there, but like what you say that everybody knew you were sort of willing to do the dirty work and that you were willing to get your hands in there and just do it. Like what, how did they know that? I think there would be, when you work in a small company, everyone wears more than one hat. Um, And so there would be times when it was like, hey, uh, we don't have enough money to pay for models (laughs) at Sierra Sierra Designs or something. Like, can you, can you like be a model or like, uh, I don't know. It's just like random stuff like that or like there's an emergency we need to like ship out all this stuff like can you help or we're having a sales meeting in-house and we're having a bunch of people like can we pull a couple of people from the customer service team to like help order lunch or I don't know whatever right it's like any of that it would always fall um to the customer service team and I'd always volunteer for that ah okay so you were always the one like yes I'm happy to help do anything above and beyond I'll just do it yeah okay um I'm not surprised by that by by the fact that that's how it happened but I love hearing that because sometimes it's like for you that might just be in your character um, and that's it's sort of the way I operate too. But for some people, it's I think it's good to hear that because it's you you can kind of sometimes you might need to be reminded that those little things can add up over time and they do get noticed. So yeah. a year later, it got noticed. And what sort of position were you able to move into into the um, ISIS for Women team? So I moved into a brand coordinator role, and the. Um, the people that were dedicated to the brand, uh, there were, I think that there were seven of us. So it was really small. Mm-hmm. Um, so what that meant, uh, maybe how can I describe this? Okay. So, uh, the brand coordinator role for me looked like, um, I was doing like some material sourcing. I was approving, uh, material colors. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I, I had like day-to-day communication with factories. I was also working directly with the, uh, marketing team to work on workbooks and, and sales tools and all of that kind of stuff. Um, what else? I was organizing photo shoots. Um, I was, being involved in fittings, all of that kind of stuff. So it looked like a ad hoc everything role, um, which was perfect because it gave me the ability um, or the visibility to all of the different areas. Mm -hmm. And so how did you feel in that new role compared to how you had felt in that year during customer service? I... Uh, I loved it. It yeah. was really hard and the learning curve felt steep because all of a sudden, you know, I'd put all this energy into learning things about tents and technical <laughs> backpacks. Um, <laughs> and then all of a sudden you're jumping in and, you know, it's not what they teach you in school. Like you, nothing can really prepare you for that. You just yeah. have to jump in there. Um, 
so it was scary and I felt really insecure and not confident a lot of the time, but mm -hmm. eventually I started figuring it out and learning what I liked and what I didn't like. And most of it, did you just like learn on the fly or were your team members sort of helping coach you along or? I think it was a little bit of both. Okay. It was a really small team. Yeah. So working in that environment definitely has it's pros. Um, you know, you're all really relying and leaning on each other mm -hmm. uh, to get everything done and to move the process along. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely had help, but there was a lot of it that I, I had to figure out on the fly. Um, and that, you know, you, at, at a certain point, you like ask one person too many questions and they just look at you like, okay, figure it out. And then you're like, yeah. Okay, <laughs> I so got this. Just, like Google your best friend, or like <laughs> Google and YouTube and trial and error. Yeah, I mean, I guess, or it's just like, okay, stop stressing about this. Like, what do I think is the best course of action here? Yeah. Like, if it was up to me, and I wasn't worried about all these people judging me or failing, um, what would I do, and what do I think is the right thing? And then I'd like outline that or write an email or, you know, whatever, and then take a deep breath and then just do it. Like, yeah, you excuse your <laughs> breath and do it. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Uh, and so then how long were you on that team? So I was on that team, I think, a little over a year. Okay. And then unfortunately, the brand uh, went under okay. um, and closed. And that was when my connections with everybody in the building were so important. You know, I'm, I'm thinking like, oh, man, I, I'm, I just like got laid off of my first job where I felt like I was really making progress. Yeah. And it, it was terrible. Um, it was a terrible feeling. But because I had been like been a positive energy source in other areas of the building they gave me an option of like hey either we'll lay you off and give you some severance pay uh or you can make what you're making and go work on the marketing team and i'm like yep <laughs> i will do that oh. that sounds great <laughs> And so were those people you had known back from your internship and then you had just kind of kept in touch with over the year-ish? Yeah. I mean, it was such a small building, you know, you always like, you always walk by or it was a dog-friendly office and everyone loved my dog. So I'd like take him on a, on the rounds and say hi to people mm -hmm. um, and keep connected, especially, you know, with the I mean, in a genuine way and an authentic way, like the people that you feel close with, like you got to keep those connections because when you help each other out, it, it's just better for everyone. Like you can both help advance each other's careers. Yeah. And so it sounds like it was almost like these people, you're just, you're, they're becoming friends and you treat them like friends and you have relationships and then those are what sort of can push you into your next opportunity and your next opportunity and maybe you bring them in for a future opportunity and it just kind of goes back and forth yeah exactly okay um so now i mean it's, you said you had your dog and you kind of walked around the office and would always do the rounds um but it sounds like all of that you just kind of did out of your nature and you just had those friendships and relationships inside the office yeah, I I don't know. That's like a hard one. So there are some that like are easier than others, right? Um, that you just when you just like click with someone or you have certain coworkers where yeah. you're like, it's just easier to click with them. Yeah. But I am uh, introvert for sure. Okay. And so that whole like networking word, like <laughs> makes me start to sweat. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I just, I think I just had to learn how to do it. Like I, I tried not to push it too far and I continue, I, I do that still now. So you're not going to find me all of a sudden, like I'm this great networker. Um, I'm not, but I, the easy relationships, like that's fine and you can keep those going, but then there's like, a, you know, push yourself a little bit, um, to, 
connect with connect on some sort of level, you know, like maybe you didn't connect great with a coworker, but you know that they like dogs, <laughs> I guess we'll just use that example. And yeah. you like, you know what I mean? Like you can find those types of things to connect with people on, um, so that you have different levels. Um, and so I think I would try to push myself outside my comfort zone just a little bit at least. Okay. And so, I mean, you definitely were mindful of then building these and maintaining these relationships. Yeah, for sure. That was really smart. Who told you that at that age to do that? I don't know. Um, that's smart. I, I think that, I think I just started to see, how easily people were, um, moving around. Like there would be someone that would work for the Kelty team. And then all of a sudden, you know, they transition over and be working on the ultimate direction team or uh, whatever. And it just seemed like it was such a small environment you have to really be careful and be mindful of your relationships with people. Um, so I, I guess maybe I just saw it happening around me. Um, and I thought, okay, well, maybe that's something I should do. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, I, I kind of like, I, I ask you about that because typically people at that age, either they just create those relationships because that's how they operate in their own natural character or, you know, maybe someone has really coached them into doing that strategically. But it's not something I see people in that age, like, you know, your sort of your first job out of school, really thinking about strategically. So that's fantastic that you were. And being that observant of what was going on in the environment. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so then they took you over to marketing. And how was that? It wasn't as great uh, this, <laughs> that time around, right? Because I had gotten a taste for what I was really interested in. Mm -hmm. um, I loved the product creation process. And uh, when I was working for Isis, um, we had a, a product manager and her. I just loved like seeing what she got to do. It was so great. And so when I moved back, to marketing, what was I, I'm trying to remember what I was working on. Um, it was a lot of random things, but I think one of the things I was working on was um, tracking and reporting against uh, like social media things. Mm, okay. I'm clearly not even, <laughs> I, I have no experience in, in that world, <laughs> but it was like, you know, it's like tracking clicks and ads and all of that kind of stuff. And it was, I hated it. It was oh. awful. Um, and so I, it really pushed me and made me motivated to find something different that was more aligned. So is that when you went to North Face in California? Yeah. So the way that I got that connection um, is someone, uh, a designer that I had worked with um, at the Isis brand, um, she had moved on to another company um, while I was there working in marketing. And we kept in touch. Um, and I, I had reached out to her before. Um, and nothing really came of it. I was meeting people for lunch. They were introducing me to new people, you know, and then I was taking those people out to coffee. Um, and then after I had done that for a while, I, I reached back out to her again and I'm like, okay, I'll just give it one last shot. And she's like, Hey, would you be interested in moving to the Bay area? And I'm like, yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> Wherever. Um, <laughs> and so she's like, oh, okay, well, I used to work with this guy at Go Light. Um, his name is Rob. And uh, uh, he's interested, like I told him about you, he's interested, like, they're almost closing the interview period. So why don't you connect on LinkedIn? Um and then the rest is kind of history. He actually ended up becoming my boss. <laughs> wow. Okay. So, 
Um, I want to hear a little bit more about, you said, so this girl who introduced you to Rob, is his name, yeah? Yeah, okay. yeah. So this this girl who you had known from ISIS, you said you had kind of kept in touch with, and you pinged her once, and nothing came of it, and then you were doing all these sort of lunches and coffee dates with people, and like, what did that actually look like? So from you reaching out to her, were you kind of like, hey, I'm just looking for a new job, um, and did that ever make you feel like, oh, I'm just asking someone for something and I'm just, you know, only reaching out when I need something? Um, yeah, that part is a little, that part's a little uncomfortable. Okay. Um, so I think you got to be a little careful with the way that you approach it. And that's why it's so, that's why it's so easy if you do the upfront work of staying in touch with people frequently, yeah. because then it doesn't feel like you're reaching out just to ask them yeah. for something. Um, or even like, you know, I mentioned sort of helping each other out. It's like you see something that might be interesting. And then just like, because you know them and you know how they work, you're like, oh, hey, I saw this thing. I thought you might be interested in it. Like yeah. it could be an article. It could be a job opportunity. Yes. Um, any of that stuff. So keeping in touch in those ways were really important. So with that groundwork, that's where I started was with those people that I felt closest with. Mm -hmm. And then from there, I mean, when you have that type of relationship with people, they tend to want to help you out. So they'd be like, oh, I have this friend at this company. Um, you know, they're really great. And uh, I'll tell them about you, introduce you, and maybe you can set up an informational interview. And when you go into something like that, um, it's already been set up by someone that you both have a relationship with. Mm -hmm. um, they've already kind of agreed to help you out. And they know that you're coming in to, I mean, they kind of understand the context of why you're coming in. They know that you want to find out more information, but ultimately, like, you're looking for a job. Right. Um, so it's not really awkward or anything like that. But I've even made, like, even through informational interviews, I some of those people have been so great. And then they've been like, oh, well, I know this other person. And then sometimes it ends up, like, four people down the line, um, and you don't even remember who introduced you. Yeah. <laughs> It does. It totally spider webs. Yeah. Ah, that's so cool. Uh, it's interesting. I mean, I I talk about this a lot, and um, I've put some resources out there on getting your dream fashion job and all this sort of stuff. And I've talked about these exact things, like keeping in touch with people, sending that valuable article, just say, "Hey, I'm thinking about you." Like that is the upfront work, which can feel like a lot of work, but it pays off tenfold in the end. Um, yeah. Okay, so you you did the, inf the the interview with Rob for North Face, and you just got the job, and it happened. Yeah, yeah. I got the job, flew out for a day of interviews, um, and then by the time I had gotten off the plane, uh, they offered me the job, so I moved <gasps> out. Amazing. Like, <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it was great. I felt so, so proud of that moment. Yeah. Um, did I'm you like, practice yes. for the interviews? Oh, yeah, yes. definitely. You with your dad again? Uh, I think I probably did. I think I might have practiced with my sister, too. I feel like maybe around that time she was also interviewing, and so we were, like, oh, taking so turns or something. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, and so then obviously you kicked major ass because you, like, landed, put your phone off of airplane mode, and you're like, oh, my God, there's the offer. Yeah. Yeah. That wow. was, that was kind of crazy. Um, and then they're like, and can you move here in two weeks? <laughs> and, okay. What was the opportunity? Cause you were, you were currently in marketing and you had, you mm -hmm. had your year of experience with ISIS yeah. sort of doing all wearing all the hats for the brand coordinator role. So what yeah. was the job? So the job was um, product line coordinator. Okay. So that's part of the uh, product management group. And different brands have different levels. The North oh. Face is a, a relatively large company. And so within the product management group, they have, um, I guess, three different levels of product managers. So they have senior product managers, uh, product managers, and then product coordinators. Okay. 
Um, and so I got hired on uh, as a product line coordinator. And what do you do in that job? Everything. Like what? Uh, it was very similar to uh, the brand coordinator position okay. at ISIS in in some aspects. Um, so it was a little it was a little more specific, um, but it. Let's see. Um, I did a lot of preparing. Uh, for meetings, I learned how to use Illustrator um, <laughs> to like put together what uh, at the North Face they call grids or mm -hmm. sometimes people call them visual line plans mm -hmm. um, where you're able to see all your CADs and all the colors and basically the line offering mm -hmm. uh, visually. Um, I was in charge of managing all of the documents. So whether it was the workbook um, the line plan itself. So anytime anything with the line plan changed, I was the one to change it and make sure that that data was always accurate. Like if uh, a style got added or dropped or a colorway changed or something like that. Exactly. Okay. Um, cause that flows directly then to the planning and buying teams. So it's really important that it, that information is accurate. Um, I'd also like approve, you know, that when you're shopping online and you see those photos, uh, you're just like clicking through those images. Mm -hmm. um, each one of those was approved by someone. Um, <laughs> and in the case of the North Face, they were most often approved by um, the product team. So I did a lot of image approving. Is that just um, for like color and styling detail and construction that like the photo sample was an accurate representation? Exactly. Okay. Yeah, because, um, of course, when you're ordering samples, um, there's a little bit of margin yeah. <laughs> for error there. Photo samples sometimes <laughs> don't look that great. So yeah. some photoshopping. So you, and <laughs> yeah, so you definitely want them to show up online as accurate um, yeah. and make sure, you know, that the customer, what they're seeing online is representative of what they'll be receiving yeah. when they order it. Okay. Um, so yeah, things like that. It was really, there was a lot of data entry. It was a lot of management of, of d the tools, um, but it gave also a lot of exposure um, to other things like fittings and just being at the table when decisions were being made about mm -hmm. the line. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, then <laughs> eventually after you get comfortable uh, choosing to participate or provide your opinion in those types of meetings. Yeah. So from there, and so you've been, you were at North Face for about five years. Yeah. Right? Okay. So then yeah. how long did, were you in that role? Um, I was in that role for over two or maybe two and a half years. Okay. Um, and that was hard because I worked so hard. It was a it was a learning curve going from a small company to mm -hmm. such a large company. Yeah. Um, I like to think of myself as a detail oriented person, but when you're looking and having to tell the difference between like hundreds of jackets at a certain point, you're like, oh my god, I can't tell. I don't know. <laughs> my eyes are glazing over. <laughs> yeah. So that was a learning curve. But uh, so I was in that role for about two and a half years. Then I got promoted um, to a product manager. And then I was maybe in the, that role for, I don't know, a, over a little over a year. And then I got uh, promoted again to like another version of that product manager. Okay. And did, did those opportunities come up and you applied for them or they were just kind of given to you? Uh, I think it was a, <laughs> I'm trying to remember actually. Um, one was because I, I mean, I had worked my ass off. Yeah. So um, there had been a reorg. Um, and it, it was the right moment. Like the position was, there was a position open and available. So they moved me into it. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the like second promotion, you know, even within those three steps that I outlined earlier, there's like, <laughs> there's like secret steps in between, like in between, um, that are, you know, that are like higher pay grade and 
make it easier for you to go from like a mid-level to a more senior level. Um, and that I lobbied for myself because, um, I had been getting good reviews and all of that kind of stuff. And I liked the trajectory that I was on. Um, and I was constantly asking for feedback and receiving like a lot, a lot of positive, uh, positive feedback. And so I lobbied for that myself. <laughs> okay. What kind of feedback were you asking for all the time? I, I just, I mean, I, it's something I am constantly doing. Um, I'm always trying to get the people that I work with closely, their feedback on how I'm doing, what I can improve on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it's very smart. Um, okay. So, I mean, obviously from, you know, what you've shared so far, you're very, very hard worker. You've done something strategically, whether that's you know, networking and making those relationships or asking for feedback and constantly raising your hand to do anything that comes up that needs to be done, even if that's, you know, ordering lunch or packing boxes. Um, and so that just sort of naturally has allowed you to progress. And then um, when you you said you lobbied for that last uh, promotion, what did that look like? Um, so that one, that's a good question. And the way that I approach that is similar to how I would approach, like, if you're negotiating for a salary or... <laughs> Or if you're like having a hard conversation or something, yeah. it, back it up with facts. That's like, I don't know. That's just, the, that's the simple part. Like back everything you have up with facts. Um, like the, if you can prove, it, it's the same way that you'd like pitch an idea or something. Like if you can, if you can show the facts, like this is why, <laughs> Um, then it's hard for people to say no to that because you can't really argue about facts. Yeah. Can you give an example? It doesn't have to be the specific one maybe that you use to get that opportunity, but like an example of what type of fact you might have used to, to secure that next role. Yeah. So uh, maybe what you would do is you would take your goals um, – that were outlined and you would kind of compare yourself to those goals and you'd say, okay, so I had this goal. Um, this is, this is what I did. I'm, I met the goal and then beyond just meeting the goal, I exceeded the goal. Mm -hmm. Um, and these are like the ways that I added value. So, so I, I met it in this, in this way and be specific. Right. Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> um, this is like the process or these are the steps that I took to get to this like completed, uh, this completed goal. And then beyond that, these are, here are some things, um, that I extended on, or these are the ways that I continue to add value to the business or this company. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, very smart. And it's all kind of comes back to like results driven. Like at the end of the day, you're just another person at the company and the company cares about the end result. Like, are we getting things done on time? Are we staying on budget? Are we exceeding sales? You know, is, are the customers happy? What's our customer service report look like? Um, and so it's all about how you can show them those results that you've directly contributed to achieving. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Awesome. Um, and so then where does that put us? That was your last role at North Face. And now you said you're working under, um, VF Corp. Yes. So yeah. I'm in a relatively new role. So I've been, uh, in this role a little over six months. Okay. So, uh, so VF Corporation is uh, a large corporation that owns uh, a lot of different brands. So the North Face is one of them. They also own Timberland, Vans, Icebreaker, Kipling. Like uh, so many of them. <laughs> a lot. The list goes on. Um, but uh, the innovation team is actually, because VF has such a, a large portfolio, the innovation team, instead of being housed within the individual brands, the innovation team is, is, um, in the overarching umbrella of VF. So, uh, I work on the innovation team, 
Um, and I am a senior project manager on the innovation team, and I focus on leveraging cross-brand projects. So I don't work specifically on one brand. Um, any project that could work in multiple brands, um, let's say we identify something that has a really good use case in Vans and Timberland um, and the North Face. Um, those are the types of projects that then I would help to manage um, so that we can leverage the learnings and the work um, and make sure that we're utilizing our resources in a smart way. Yeah. Like what kind of project would this be? That's a good question. Um, <laughs> I don't know how much you can say, but I'm just kind of looking for something a little more specific and tangible to understand what does this actually look like. Yeah, so a, a lot of projects that would fall under that are material-driven, ah. um, but they don't have to be. So, okay, so maybe I can just give you a couple of examples here. So it's like... Um, projects that maybe would be taking personalization or customization to the next level, like beyond, beyond like what you could imagine, <laughs> um, like ways in which we can sell to the customer in a new way that are more relevant to them mm. um, and be more nimble um, and act like a small company, even though we're a big company. Gotcha. Um there's even, so it, it's like there, there's that end of the spectrum. Um, there's also um, chemistries that are more effective and then also uh, better for the environment. So there's projects around things like that. Um, and then also this one's my favorite because uh, it gives me a little bit of that product creation world Um like a incubator mashup of ideas um, where we're piloting a quick collaborative new way of creating product. Gotcha. Okay. So a little bit of everything. Yeah. Super that's cool. The, that's the cool part. <laughs> yeah. No, that is so cool. It's like you're not and, – and for some people this works great, but you're not on this like constant cycle of like the same thing every six months or something. It's always – it's very living and breathing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Super cool. Um, well, thank you so much, Shelby, for sharing everything and your amazing story. And congratulations on where you've gotten so young in your career. It's clear you are pretty kick-ass and you deserve all of this. So great job. Um, I'd love to know where can people connect with you online? Thank you. Um, I think LinkedIn is probably the best way to connect. Okay. Um, awesome. Just send me a message um, and I'm always happy to chat. Cool. So. Thank you so much for having me. This is great um, and fun conversation. Yeah, well, awesome. We will link to your LinkedIn in the show notes. And I do have one quick question. Um, it'll just take 30 to 60 seconds. I always ask everybody at the end of the interview, what is one thing people never ask you about working in the fashion industry that you wish they would? <laughs> um, oh, great. That's a good, good question. Uh <sighs> I think we covered a little bit of what does the day-to-day -day really look like. Yeah. <laughs> um, so maybe it would be that, but I don't know. This, actually, you know, actually what the thing I really want people to ask, and this is kind of challenging me, but it's it's just challenging in general, is asking me if I'm doing something good. Mm. Um, the... Obviously, with <laughs> creating product, you're creating you're creating a lot of stuff that that goes out into the world and maybe isn't disposed of in the right way and affects people's lives sometimes positively, but also sometimes negatively. Um, and so, I think maybe the question I want people to think about or ask is like, are, are you doing good or contributing something good in this process? Yeah, I love that. And so just being mindful of like, what did, what, what's maybe the long term impact or just the impact even in general that we're having, because it can get so easy to be tunnel vision on just what you're getting done in the day. Yeah. And it keeps me honest, too. Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it keeps me focused on that. And, and thinking like these projects that I take on, can I infuse that thought? into them. Yeah, I love that. Well, thank you so much for your honest insights and everything. Um, it was really, really great to chat with you. 
Yeah, same here. Thanks so much, Heidi. Yep. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much, Shelby. And thank you so much to each of you out there listening. I really appreciate you guys. And the show would not be here if it weren't for you. So big, big, big thank you. I'd also love to give a shout out to my husband, Mark, who handles all of the tech and editing. And he makes the show possible. As well as my right-hand successful fashion designer team member, Saya. Oh, Saya, you are just amazing. You make sure each episode gets published and delivered to you out there, the listeners, all the time as well as a ton of other things that you do behind the scenes that a lot of people don't see, but we are here rooting for you, Saya. So thank you for your continued support. And again, as always, thank you to each of you for listening. It is really a pleasure to share these episodes and bring this advice and information to you. So thanks for continuing to tune in. Uh, As a quick reminder, I mentioned this at the beginning of the episode, but Successful Fashion Designer is way more than just a podcast. I have tons of free templates, tutorials, books, and resources on getting ahead in the fashion industry from Adobe Illustrator to tech packs to freelancing to landing your dream job to putting your portfolio together. If you're looking for support in your fashion career, chances are I have got an amazing resource on it. I've been working years and years on compiling all these free resources, and I would love to get them over to you. Pop on over to SoHeidi.com slash email. That's S-E-W-H-E-I-D-I dot com slash email. And I will make sure that you get the best of my best free resources. I've put them together just for you as a podcast listener. So thank you for that. As always, if you'd like to learn more about any of the resources mentioned in this episode, check out the show notes by scrolling down wherever you're listening. Thanks so much again. And I will talk to you in the next Successful Fashion Designer podcast episode.